0: I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.50 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is August the 14th, 2019. This is episode 126 of Bitcoin and And I'm going to start off with this guy giving a scathing speech about central banking to the
1: uh, EU Parliament. Uh. Uh, Well, uh, Commissioner, um, Mr. President, uh, I rise again, I'm afraid, to make the same old hoary speech that I've been making here for several years. And that is, it is my opinion that you do not really understand the concept of banking. All the banks are broke. Uh, Bank Santander, Deutsche Bank, Royal Bank of Scotland, they're all broke. And why are they broke? It isn't an act of God, it isn't some sort of tsunami. They're broke because we have a system called fractional reserve banking, which means that banks can lend money that they don't actually have. It's a criminal scandal and it's been going on for too long. To add to that problem, you have moral hazard, a very significant moral hazard from the political sphere. most of the problem starts in politics and central banks, which are part of the same political system. We have counterfeiting, sometimes called quantitative easing, but counterfeiting by any other name. The artificial printing of money, which if any ordinary person did, they'd go to prison for a very long time. And yet governments and central banks do it all the time. Central banks repress the amount of interest that rates are, so we don't have the real cost of money. And yet we blame the real retail banks for manipulating LIBOR. The sheer effrontery of this is quite astonishing. It's central banks, it's central banks that manipulate interest rates, Commissioner. And plus, underneath all this, we talk loosely, in a rather cavalier fashion, do we not, about deposit guarantees. So when banks go broke through their own incompetence and chicanery, the taxpayer picks up the tab. It's theft from the taxpayer. And until we start sending bankers, and I include central bankers and politicians, to prison for this outrage, it will continue.
0: Well, now, that was a rousing bit of applause for that speech. Why would that not be clapped for like all the time? All right, so the gentleman's name is Godfrey Bloom. Uh, he's uh, an MEP and he basically just burned down the entire the entire European Parliament. And of course, they didn't want to hear any of that shit because man, that's how that's how they roll and that's how we're getting into the crap that we're getting into we got a 2 and 10 year yield bond cross uh apparently for the last 45 50 years that's been uh in uh 100% in indicative indicative of a recession you got hong kong lighting up you got oh god it's just it's a freaking mess out there people uh so but you know again like i said on monday man it's going to be a weird week you know we got a drop in bitcoin price we've got all negative yields are go everywhere. I got Joe Wiesenthal talking about how it's kind of okay. We got um, some other people saying that it's not negative yields are not that bad. I don't know how, I don't know how they're going to float the narrative, that narrative for very much longer, but uh, clearly it's all can continuous amounts of BS, and ah, man, we're just not going to be able to put up with this shit very much longer. Okay, let's see. Where are we at here? Uh, morning or no, no, Community news here is going to be a tweet by Vortex, the one Vortex on Twitter. Says, probably the most useful Bitcoin fork to have ever been announced. Introducing Bitcoin UF, useless fork. Created to demonstrate how ridiculous Bitcoin forks are. And they, they have a website at Bitcoin, <laughs> bitcoinuf.io. And their uh, splash page says Bitcoin useless fork. Bitcoin UF is not the original Bitcoin. It doesn't restore the original Bitcoin protocol. It doesn't scale. Bitcoin UF will maintain the vision set out by Satoshi Sakamoto's white paper in 2019. <laughs> so somebody's created. Um, this this thing to I, I I essentially I guess troll the forkers. I don't know. But um let's see here. What else is what else is going on? Oh yeah. The Blockstream satellite transmission uh Twitter bot at SatNode S A T N O D E. I saw something come across that uh just made me think about you know v- Use case, because a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that's coming in through the block blockstream satellite transmission Twitter bot, uh, which reflects everything that's been, uh, you can pay for pay with Lightning to uh, send a message out through the uh, blockstream satellite, which is really cool, but people are having you know people are having a lot of fun with it and you know sending messages that don't really mean anything. But this one does. So the preview of this it says begin PGP signed message hash SHA 256 block sat news edition 98 for uh, the 12th of August, 28, 2019 immutable news for those in need. And then you have to go to the pace bin link that is included on these things. Um, Okay, so there's four news stories in here, and it looks to be four, uh, uh, full text. And the first one is from Fox News talking about the Hong Kong International Airport cancelling all flights. And we know where that's escalated horribly. There's another one from uh, Reuters. Russia tells Google not to advertise illegal events after election protests. This other one is NBC News. Saudi Arabia rallies around exiled Yemen leader after UAE-backed separatists seize Aden. CNN is included in here with the story about Pakistan's Imran Khan likens India's action to Kashmir and Nazis or actions in Kashmir to Nazism. So anybody in the world can, can get this because anybody in the world that that has satellite thing that can, you know, satellite dish that can connect up with the block stream satellite. It's, it, it just, it goes over the great wall of China. It, goes over every border conceivable demand it punctures every firewall that you could possibly ever have uh so use case is what i'm getting at here guys the this, the use case is pretty uh pretty insane being able to get news to people who really need it who wouldn't otherwise be able to get it for just a handful of satoshis the whole world can read those uh news stories if they can get to the blockstream satellite um, God, all right. Trayvon James is facing SEC charges for BitConnect. Oh man, yeah. Trayvon released a YouTube video on his YouTube channel that's explaining what what occurred. And apparently, essentially, um, he said uh, that he's kind of, you know getting charges dropped on him from the sec he's saying that he's not going to be able to go to jail for any of it but then states that he's going to be paying for it for the rest of his life and he probably should because he was a and still is a a scammer Uh, (laughs) a very 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 dangerous scammer like all the BitConnect people were uh next up is oh yeah um (laughs) <laughs> we all know now that the SEC has delayed all the, the delayed their decisions on three different ETF propo- proposals until September 29th. And I saw yesterday that it, I think a fourth one has been delayed until uh sometime in October. So, yeah, we knew that was coming too. <laughs> we knew that was coming too. Okay, this is a good one. I like this one. NYC Mesh and for you guys that don't know, go visit nyc mesh just you know it's all one word just type it into google and and you'll get there they're building uh internet infrastructure as a community service and not as not as a company uh and they're in new york and they're in like lower manhattan and brooklyn they're all over that place and and i had said a few things about them before uh i think last week and they had a, another big node go online and all of a sudden They've put out a um, they've put out a, a tweet that says we've been averaging twenty two new install requests a day this month. Obviously, we need to scale up our installs. Two years ago, we were averaging less than one a day. So their node requests are like now at like four thousand and forty eight, and so that. To get a node, to the node request is you call them up and say, I want your internet service. I want to be able to do my stuff through you and not through whoever else. I can't remember what telecoms service, the New York, New York City area, because I don't live there. <clears throat> but these guys have been on fire installing and building out an infrastructure that is not... What's what to say when people say maroads We got to have the government money to build maroads and this and everything else in the world to to do maroads This is sort of the same thing because to do infrastructure like this, normally we would depend upon a you know some kind of third party contractor, you know, or so, something like that—Verizon, AT and T, things like that. And while I'm pretty sure that the NYC mesh has to plug in somewhere to that particular infrastructure. The infrastructure around that being able to connect through a mesh network is not provided by AT&T. You have to get, you know, get your stuff installed like anybody else does. This one bypasses that particular step. And, Uh, You can get Internet service through a community provider, not a a company provider or a business provider or somebody who has that kind of that kind of uh, life, for lack of a better term. This is done by the community. So people say, well, without government, we can't have roads. I say bullshit. Yes, you can, because there's going to if for whatever reason you've got really, really, really terrible roads that are like, I mean, real bad. And I've seen some bad roads, but they got to be pretty bad before somebody actually does something about it. Apparently here in New York, the internet service is so bad that somebody did do something about that. If they can do something about that, then chances are good. This will overflow into other sectors. And I, I expect that I will see them overflowing into other sectors, uh, pretty, pretty soon. um, Oh, Stephen D. Poly's, uh talking on a tweet thread about this. Uh, what is it? About the Veritasium stuff. Uh, Veritasium is a coin or an ICO that was launched, I think, in two, 2017, something like that. Anyway, they're getting sued. Um, so Stephen's got a, a tweet storm up here. It says, I'm not saying I called this two years ago, but yeah, actually, I called this two years ago. I do wonder why it took two years. I have this simple heuristic, heuristic, which is that anytime someone claims they are going to win a quadrillion dollar market, they are almost certainly full of poo. Quadrillion, lol. (laughs) It's funny, actually, if you look at that slide, it says trillion and quadrillion. There's a typo, I think, and he had had actually linked to to a slide uh, from the Veritasium slide deck when they were shilling this... Garbage. Uh, back in February of this year, he claimed to have ha- to have a national securities exchange as a partner. And he's got a a, a thing here or like a, a screenshot here. And uh, Stephen goes on to end it. It says, I wonder if the SEC was already investigating. And they probably were. They probably were. And we're going to get we're going to get into the Veritasium stuff uh, a little later in the morning roundup. So uh, but Stephen Pauly's Stephen D. Pauly's all over it. Uh, and he's a good he's a good crypto lawyer to follow uh, about this stuff because he's got he's got a vast amount of knowledge in the legal system, and he's very, very interested in bitcoin and and the like. So there are a handful of people like him that really have the legal side of this stuff nailed down. And if you're not following him, you're missing some of the some of the great stuff that that he puts out. Okay, uh, now let's get into the morning roundup. Okay, the morning roundup is going to start with severe rectage. This is a tech crunch. Uh, This is Lucas Matney writing a couple of days ago. Blade raises $4.3 million from Coinbase, SV Angel, to reshape cryptocurrency derivatives trading. And man, I I thought BitMEX was bad. Check this out. Exchanges like Coinbase have ballooned in size, by, <clears throat> in size by taking the mechanics of equity markets and fitting them to cryptocurrency markets. But as the space expands in its scope and craftiness, new exchanges trading asset classes native to cryptocurrency are taking off and attracting the attention of top Silicon Valley VCs, oh, and Coinbase too. Blade is a new cryptocurrency derivatives exchange launching in three weeks prior to to starting the company, CEO Jeff Byan and his co-founder Henry Lee founded Order Ahead, a delivery startup platform that was eventually acquired in part by Square in 2017. The pair's newest company shares little in common with their previous venture, but they are bringing aboard some of the same investors to, to support them. Blade is announcing that they've raised $4.3 million in seed funding from a host of investors, including Coinbase, A Capital, Slow Ventures, Justin Kahn, and Adam DeAngelo. The exchange is tackling perpetual swap contracts. Perpetuals are a crypto-native trading instrument that buy-in says are arguably the fastest-growing segment of cryptocurrency trading. They allow traders to bet on the future value of cryptocurrencies in relation to another, and the instruments have no expiration dates unlike fixed maturity futures. Traders can bet on how the price of Bitcoin can increase relative to USD, but they can also make bets relative to other altcoins like Monero, Dogecoin, Zcash, Ripple, and Binance coin. Uh, so here's what's on the Blade menu at the moment. Blade's noteworthy spins on perpetual trading compared to other exchanges are that most of the contracts will be set up on simplified vanilla contracts. The perpetuals will also be margin settled or margin settled. In USD, Tether, and the company is offering higher leverages up to 150x on BTC USD. Oh, 150x, people. You know, BitMEX has 100 and they get shit for it all the time. Can you imagine 150? That's where this is just told. This is, I think this is probably bad. I mean if you want to if you want to take a you know try to dodge a, a a moving train uh be my guest but wow 150x as if 100 wasn't bad okay continuing on blade is raising funds from silicon valley vcs but us investors won't be legally able to participate in the exchange of course of course U.S. government agencies have been a bit more stringent in regulating cryptocurrencies, so there's more trading activity taking place place on exchanges outside the jurisdiction. Blade itself is an offshore entity with a United States subsidiary. Its primary market is, you guessed it, East Asia. Quote, it's kind of a bifurcated market, Bune tells TechCrunch. Either you have exchanges like Coinbase or Gemini or Bittrex that cater to the U.S. market that are highly regulated or the exchanges that cater to the non-U.S. market that are much less regulated. But that's where most of the volume is. With is While the company is still three weeks away from launch, the founders have bold ambitions. Quote, in the long term, we want to be the CME of crypto. Coinbase and Binance are building the foundational structure for crypto, but I think we are too, and in a sense that derivatives are at their core about risk transfer. We want to be building the foundational layer for risk transfer in the crypto market. So watch out, guys. Seriously. Uh, Anything Coinbase is involved with, I'm obviously skeptical and there's more Coinbase news ahead. But right now, this is Coindesk's Nicholas Day writing yesterday, August the 13th. SEC guidance gives ammo to lawsuit claiming XRP is an unregistered security. That's because it is. Investors in the cryptocurrency XRP have filed a new complaint against Ripple that marshals the Security and Exchange Commission's own words to argue that the startup illegally sold unregistered securities. The amended complaint, filed August the 5th in a year-old lawsuit against Ripple, includes several new arguments and may be the first federal case to cite the SEC's guidance for applying existing law and regulation in crypt- to crypto tokens. It also marks the first filing to which Ripple must directly respond by addressing the facts of the case. Four previous complaints were filed in California state court, but the company successfully moved to have these cases consolidated and shifted to federal court. Ripple has until September the 19th to file a response. Quote, That filing will be the first time in the already long journey of this litigation that Ripple will substantively respond to the allegations around XRP, says Jake Chernevsky, General Counsel at Crypto Lending Startup Compound Finance. The company has been in the legal crosshair since May of 2018 when investor Ryan, Ryan Coffey filed the first of several lawsuits seeking class action status against Ripple Labs, subsidiary XRP2, CEO Brad Garlinghouse, and other individuals. XRP, which Ripple periodically sells, has all the traditional hallmarks of a security, Coffey claimed. Investors Vladi Zakhanov, Avnir Greenwald, and David Oknor. O'Connor, yeah, filed similar suits shortly thereafter, and lawsuits were combined and moved to federal court in November. While the suit has not yet been certified as a class action, law firms Sussman Godfrey and Taylor Copeland Law were appointed as lead, lead co-lead counsel at the end of June, with investor Bradley Sawstack being appointed as lead plaintiff. Zakhanov, O'Connor, and G- Greenwald were denied their own motion to be appointed as lead plaintiff. The new amended complaint lays out a strong case against Ripple, says Chernevsky, noting that Sussman-Godfrey is one of the best plaintiff's law firms in the U.S. In particular, he highlighted that the complaint claims XRP is a security under both federal and California state law. Quote, This is important because California uses the risk capital test in addition to the federal Howey test to determine whether a transaction qualifies as a security. The risk capital test is broader than the Howey test, meaning the plaintiffs could lose their federal securities claims and still win their state securities claims. The plaintiff's complaint is trying to tie the XRP ledger, the distributed network underlying XRP, and therefore the cryptocurrency's price, back to Ripple, said Rebecca Reddig, a partner at the law firm of Fisher-Boyles, which is not involved in the case. Ripple and Sessman Godfrey declined to comment. So it looks like, I don't know, you know, you know how this stuff goes. This is good news because for me, Ripple is uh is a scam. And I think it is an unregistered security. It sure smells like one. And it would if if it was gotten rid of, uh, it would just be a I think I think there would be a lot less salt in the in the ecosystem. But yeah, so there's your uh there's your hobo wine news. Um Oh, this one is this is the one about the uh, Veritasium one. This is CoinDesk's Daniel Kuhn writing uh, yesterday. SEC files emergency action against organizer of fraudulent fifteen million dollar ICO. Um, there's an update. Uh, this the update was done on August thirteenth. The SEC has obtained a temporary restraining order freezing the assets of Reggie Middleton and Veritasium. The order covers accounts at traditional financial institutions, Bank of America, Citi, and J.P. Morgan Chase, cryptocurrency exchanges, Gemini and Kraken, and 15 addresses on the Ethereum blockchain. The United States Securities and Exchange Commission is seeking, and the update basically says that they got it, but this describes the rest of it, to freeze the assets of Reggie Middleton, organizer of the $14.8 million Veritasium initial coin offering, According to an emergency action filed Monday in the United States District Court of the Eastern District of New York, Middleton conducted a fraudulent and illegal ICO in 2017 and manipulated the securities value afterward. A self-described financial guru, Middleton is excused of propagating false information about his business as well as conducting trades in the open market that jacked up the price of Vary. The SEC further alleges he misappropriated at least $520,000 of investors' money for personal use, as well as $600,000 to purchase precious metals to prop up another scam. In addition to freezing Middleton's assets, the SEC asked the court to prohibit him from destroying or altering documents and place a lifelong ban on uh, uh, a lifelong ban his ever operating a public company or participating in a digital asset securities offering. According to the complaint, Middleton failed to register the Very ICO with the SEC and claimed the coins were not securities but investments in a technology platform or his personal brand. At several points, Middleton described Very tokens as prepaid fees, software, or compared them to Walmart gift cards. I remember that. <laughs> This obfuscation, the SEC alleges, was an attempt to skirt the law. The allegations of market manipulation stem in part from Middleton placing a series of secret manipulative trades in Vary, artificially increasing Vary's price by approximately 315% during just one day of trading. He then touted these price increases and returns to Vary holders, the SEC said. Investors purchased 51 million tokens during the 2017 ICO for 69,000 ether valued at 14.8 million at the time. He continued to buy in based <clears throat> to buy in based on Middleton's material deceptions the SEC said. As part of a misinformation campaign, Middleton said he had brokered deals with airlines, ultra-high net worth individuals, and one of the largest stock exchanges in the Caribbean to sell Vary for its various stated use cases, according to the SEC. In total, he claimed to have sold $35 million worth of tokens for institutional use. In fact, by June 2018, only 75 of the roughly 2 million tokens were exchanged for research or any other services. Middleton instead fabricated trading volume on the EtherDelta exchange to pump Vary's price, the regulator said. He would then publicize the increasing volume or price to entice more investments, Ponzi. The SEC quotes an email Middleton sent to an employee detailing the first known instance of market manipulation. Quote, the EtherDelta market is not accurate. Of the very, very low volume, I will try to push more volume in this time next month. I'll probably have all, as in every single hip-hop and rap star producer beat in net worth. Dude. An additional $8 million of funds were raised during the ICO or missing. In 2017, Middleton claimed hackers stole and liquidated the 36,000 tokens from company accounts. In a separate... Document SEC attorneys wrote, and in just the last two weeks, after they learned that a commission enforcement action against them was likely, defendants transferred over two million of the remaining two, sorry, two million dollars of the remaining investor proceeds, as at least in part to fund other endeavors. Specifically, Middleton allegedly began transferring ten thousand ETH worth about two point three million of investor funds to other digital asset addresses, and another seven hundred and fifty ETH to his personal account days after the SEC informed Middleton's lawyers they would recommend an enforcement action. So, yeah, Reggie Middleton's in trouble, man. And and rightly so, because on the heels of the release of Bitcoin, the only way that people could get in is to start to scam every single person under the sun, riding on the coattails of Bitcoin. And I think this is the first shot, Across that, this isn't a shot across the bow. This is damn near getting torpedoed right in the center. Um, if and if Reggie Middleton does, in fact, go full 100% go down, then expect ICOs to be in the crosshairs for a good long time because there's thousands of them. And as I've always said, ICOs, the only thing they're worth, the, the only thing that they're worth for is a blade of armor to Bitcoin. So as each time a shot gets fired at Bitcoin, it's going to land onto an ICO and they're going to take those people down because they have, guess what, phone numbers and addresses and you know uh, offices and, and they keep files and evidence and shit can be used against them in court and Bitcoin doesn't have any of that. So if you're holding the bag of ICOs uh, just saying, man. Just, just, just saying. Might want to rethink that. Okay. Uh, Barclays uh, is in the news because they are apparently no longer banking Coinbase. I'm not sure exactly how much of a relationship they, they really did have, but still, it's here, man. This is Coindesk's Ian Allison writing today sometime. Oh, God, it looks like it. 1 a.m. UTC. All right, here we go. Let's dig in. The most prestigious banking relationship in crypto has ended. Barclays, the London-based global bank, is no longer working with the cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase, industry sources told Coindesk. And while Coinbase found a replacement in UK upstart ClearBank, according to people familiar with the situation, the change has indirectly inconvenienced the exchange's users. That's because, aside from the cachet of working with a household name bank, Barclays connected San Francisco-based Coinbase to the UK faster payment scheme enabling users to instantly withdraw and deposit British pounds at the exchange the end of the relationship disrupted Coinbase's access to FPS which in turn slowed deposits and withdrawals in in the great Brit- british The British pound for U.K. customers, which now takes days to process. Nice. The situation is temporary, though, thanks to Coinbase's new relationship with ClearBank, one of the U.K. challenger banks that have sprouted up in recent years to compete with market incumbents. ClearBank is expected to restore Coinbase's FPS access by the end of the third quarter. God. Barclays, ClearBank, and Coinbase all declined to comment. Companies that handle cryptocurrency have a tough time getting banking partners, with almost all big-name banks eschewing the business. Hence, when Coinbase obtained a bank account with Barclays in early 2018, the news was greeted with some fanfare. The exchange was also granted an e-money license by the UK, Financial Conduct Authority, and was the first crypto firm to gain access to FPS. Since then, word on the street is that Barclays got cold feet about crypto clients, people having varying opinions on why this might be the case, but nobody knows for sure. Quote, it is my understanding that Barclays' risk appetite has contracted a little. I'm not sure exactly why or what's been driving that. Maybe there's been some activity they are not happy with, but it's about Barclays' comfort level with crypto as a whole, said the CEO of a UK crypto company who chose to remain nameless. Another source described the Coinbase-Barclays relationship as a pilot program that had simply run its course. This source added that being banked by Barclays has prob- had probably held Coinbase back in terms of which coins and tokens the exchange wanted to list and the time taken before the bank could feel comfortable with new assets being added. Good God almighty. That's not to say ClearBank is giving Coinbase carte blanche. Earlier this week, Coinbase delisted Zcash, the privacy-centric cryptocurrency, which uses a technology called zero-knowledge proofs to mass details of transactions from blockchain watchers. A person familiar with the decision said it was completely to do with the new bank. ClearBank was uncomfortable indirectly supporting a currency with features that make law enforcement's job harder. Well, of course. Coinbase was not the only crypto company to successfully woo Barclays in 2016 when the bank was perhaps more enthusiastic about the technology. Barclays said it was working with Circle Internet Financial, whose main offering at the time was Circle Pay and FCA regulated you know, in its Screw Circle. They bit, used Bitcoin to help facilitate no-fee currency transfers. Customer deposits were held by Barclays. Barclays. Barclays said at that time, quote, We can confirm that Barclays corporate banking has been chosen as a financial partner by Circle, and we support the exploration of positive uses of blockchain that can benefit consumers and society. Both Barclays and Circle, which has since shifted its focus from retail payments to crypto trading, declined to comment on the status of their relationship. In addition to working with Barclays, Coinbase has had a banking relationship with the Estonia-based LHV Bank for a number of years. LHV has been working to offer access to faster payments in the UK, but according to an industry source, this might still be a ways off. A spokeswoman for LHV told CoinDesk, we have technically joined the faster payment scheme, but there are still some issues we have to work on and legal details to manage before we can start offering faster payments to our fintech clients. And that's gonna do it. That's gonna do it for that. So, you know, who knows what's going on there? Coinbase is being weird they've always been not really and they just haven't been the best actor in the space even though they are kind of responsible for onboarding a bunch of people into into bitcoin they are also onboarding a, a good amount of people into wasting their money on garbage coins remember that for the future and speaking of another not so good company actually these people are rather terrible BitPay upgrades offerings and tightens identification measures. Yes, AML and KYC is coming to your friendly neighborhood BitPay. Jimmy Aki, writing for Bitcoin Magazine yesterday, says, Cryptocurrency payments facilitator BitPay has announced a range of product upgrades to improve service delivery to customers, according to a blog post, and the roster of changes includes tightened security measures. First on BitPay's list of upgrades is the introduction of the BitPay dashboard, a feature which will provide a much more personalized experience for shoppers using the platform. And a note, which is becoming less and less and less, because why use BitPay when you can use BTC Pay server? Just saying. The dashboard will house the user's transaction histories and BitPay's new payment features going forward. The product is live for current customers, but not But non-customers can create a dashboard with an email and password, according to the post. Next up is BitPay ID, a cross-platform identification feature that simplifies the login process for accessing multiple BitPay products. In the blog post, BitPay says the ID system would work like the Apple ID, the user identification feature that is ubiquitous on all Apple products. Use of BitPay ID will, require to ac- will be required to access the dashboard and BitPay business accounts. The upgrade includes the introduction of a new identification measure to cover high-value refunds, payments, and payouts. In addition to BitPay ID, selected users will have to go through a one-time verification process. During this stage, they will verify their identities with data such as, wait for it, their photo ID, passport number, and social security number. Quote, This process helps us improve our identity verification efforts and reduce payment risk for BitPay's merchants. It's also a requirement for us to be able to offer verified users future services like Bitcoin payouts or faster onboarding for people who want to get BitPay prepaid products. End Quote, The requirement will apply to cases in which uh, users make payments of $3,000 U.S. or more to a BitPay merchant, request refunds of $1,000 or above, or request BitPay payouts." BitPay is one of the few companies that had a stellar 2018, despite the prolonged bear market processing over $1 billion in payments. Quote, Merchants are now able to easily accept Bitcoin payments in a simple, easy way without any support issues. <laughs> Sean Rowland, head of BitPay or head of products at BitPay said at the time, this was our biggest request by our enterprise merchants. So again, KYC and AML is coming to Bitpay without, like, literally with no changes. After seeing all these hacks, and I'm, I'm specific, I'm thinking a lot of the of the uh, Binance hack, where the actual photographs of you holding up your passport and and or your you know your your uh, state issued ID card were you know leaked. I and mean, you know, it would be nice if they said something like how they were going to make sure that that doesn't happen. And we all know it will. They're going to get hacked for their identity for for the people in their identity pool, and that shit's going to get released after a failed attempt to to blackmail them. And it just that it, it goes on and on and on. Which is why KYC is one of the most dangerous things that there is. It's more likely that the user is going to get hosed because of KYC then the user is going to m- launder money i it, it's just it, it's a frightful inversion of 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 chance here so whatever but um in other good news vlad castilla is writing for bitcoin magazine august also august the 13th hodl hodl kicks off liquidity week <laughs> In a world of Bitcoin powered businesses where the technology's cypher-funk roots seem to fade over time, Hodel Hodel is making extensive efforts to popularize the non custodial and privacy friendly exchange model. Just a couple of weeks after BitPay announced identity and location verification, which we just read, for refunds and payments larger than 1,000 and 3,000, respectively, for instance, Hotel Hotel is celebrating the anonymity of its services with Liquidity Week. Between August the 14th, and that's starting today, between August the 14th and the 21st, 2019, the peer to peer exchange will make extra efforts to help users buy and sell Bitcoin both on the main blockchain and via the Lightning Network by pushing to complete its entire offer book and reducing the exchange fee for every trade to 0.3%. Quote, "by launching liquidity week on Hodel Hodel, we hope to ensure more liquidity on our platform and help new users find counterparties faster," Hodel Hodel CEO Max Keaton told Bitcoin Magazine when asked about the significance of the event. Quote, "If this week be- week becomes successful, we will turn this into our monthly tradition." Nice. Unlike centralized exchanges where the supply and demand for Bitcoin is controlled by the company, Hodel Hodel acts more like a secure intermediary that generates multi-sig escrows and thus facilitates peer-to-peer swaps. Users can post announcements about buying or selling BTC, and it's their own grasp of market dynamics that decides price in fiat or other cryptocurrencies. By allowing the market to stay open to competition, the users benefit from better valuations. On the other hand, there are times when sellers expect to be compensated with a premium for the privacy benefits. uh, Since the exchange supported more than 210 payment methods in as many fiat currencies for which users create demand, finding the right pairing can be difficult. So if somebody is selling their Bitcoin in India and sets the price in rupees, a user from Europe will have to make daily conversions in euros. HODL HODL solution for this is to encourage more free trade as opposed to attempting to centralize the platform. If more offers get listed, then it's more likely that traders to <clears throat> that traders to find this kind of offer that they expect. That's kind of a weird sentence there. According to Kidun, Hodel Hodel's liquidity week is also a way of keeping up with increasing demand. The liquidity issue, which many decentralized exchanges have, receives an extra helping hand. Correspondingly, users should find a convenient price with greater ease. Quote, well, we see that interest in, <clears throat> toward hotel is increasing among crypto traders in the community as there are more and more people joining our platform each week, Kaidun said. But the liquidity was always a problem for P2P exchanges. And by launching our liquidity week, we hope to tackle that problem. More interestingly, Bitcoin on the Lightning Network benefits from a marketplace of its own. Where it can be exchanged for fiat or other cryptocurrencies, this may be one of the most private ways of acquiring BTC. As returning the coins to the base layer benefits from a guaranteed transaction obfuscation that increases fungibility. So HODL HODL doing good. They're they were you know they're a pretty solid Bitcoin company, even though there's shit coinery there. But what do you you know whatever it, shit coins are probably not going to go away in, in, until the SEC. Destroys them all, and I don't think I don't even think that's going to happen. They'll destroy a lot, but not all. I, I pretty much guarantee that we're, we're stuck with these things, guys. We're just we're stuck with them. I, I hate them, but we're stuck with them. All right, uh, Bitcoin is a geo is a geopolitical turmoil indicator. <laughs> now we have a new indicator. Says market researcher. This is Adrian Zmuntsky, writing for Coin Telegraph one hour ago. In an interview with CNBC published on august the fourteenth, Colas claimed, Nicholas Colas claimed, that Bitcoin was one of the few assets of which the price predicted Hong Kong's protests and the consequent local capital flight. Wow. When the interviewer asked him whether he believes that Bitcoin is a safe haven asset, he said, quote, we are definitely seeing that and really are perked up around the Hong Kong protests and some of the currency flight that's happened out of Hong Kong and the mainland. And Bitcoin was one of the few assets that we watched that actually predicted that uncertainty ahead of the time. Nothing else was really moving, bitcoin was." His remarks are in line with uh, what has been recently said by Peter Cheer, Forbes contributor and a former executive director at Deutsche Bank. He recently wrote in an article that Bitcoin is a leading indicator of hidden geopolitical tensions. The interviewer also said that there that many investors are concerned about the fact that Bitcoin used to be worth twenty. 20- 20,000 and asked if there is any guarantee that such a price cap collapse won't happen again. Colis answered stating that indeed it will happen again since Bitcoin is still a new and very volatile asset. As Coin Telegraph reported earlier today, Bitcoin has begun trading at a premium in Hong Kong as continued political uncertainty produces a widely reported spike in demand. Okay, so what are they talking about with the premium? Well, this is another Cointelegraph article. This one was written by William Suberg about six hours ago. Bitcoin has begun trading at a premium in Hong Kong as continued political uncertainty produces a widely reported spike in demand. Data from P2P Bitcoin exchange local Bitcoins show traders paying around $300 U.S. more per coin than anywhere than anywhere. Uh, on August the 14th, which translates into a premium of about 2%. Hong Kong is the latest jurisdiction to see investors stump up a higher implied USD price for the cryptocurrency, with Argentina notably in a similar situation this week. As Cointelegraph reported, the premium there which at one point reached $1,000 on local bitcoins, was tied to a sudden collapse of the the Argentinian peso following a surprising defeat of the incumbent president in the primary elections. Both events underscore an increasing tendency to treat Bitcoin as a safe haven asset in times of fiat unpredictability, despite BTC-USD losing around 9% this week. The move pales in comparison to pesos holders' 30% losses over the same period. Quote, Bitcoin is becoming an asset of last resort in areas of extreme currency devaluation and political uncertainty. Rain Steinberg, CEO of crypto hedge fund ARCA, told Bloomberg Tuesday, The premium, meanwhile, is down to liquidity. W. Wan, co-founder of Crypto Fund Primitive, commented on the local Bitcoin's data, quote, the key difference is, in China, there is sufficient local supply of Bitcoin, miners, exchanges, etc. But Argentina is lacking local liquidity, she summarized on Twitter earlier this week. And that's going to do it for that. So, Yeah. We're seeing such, we're seeing so much weirdness right now all over the place that it's clearly it's not surprising, but what does kind of surprise me is that there wasn't a little bit more of a premium in China, even if they, even if it was more liquid, you know, $300 eh, let's see arbitrage, you know, opportunities that, you know, anywhere between three and, and $600 all the time. And for what's going on in Hong Kong, eh, I kind of thought there'd be a little bit more. Now, Argentina's number of a thousand dollars per coin more that that's that makes sense. That makes a lot more sense to me. And okay, uh I'm going to mention this just as public service announcement that we still have a blockchain, not Bitcoin thing going on, despite what anybody really wants to think. This is a coindesk article. IBM files patent for a blockchain based web browser. And this is William Foxley writing on August the 10th. And I'm not going to read this. Well, I'll go ahead and read this whole thing because it is, it is actually really short. A new patent application from IBM describes a blockchain-based web browser published on August 6th by the United States Patent and Trademark Office database. IBM's patent is for a web browser backed by a peer-to-peer network. IBM's patent application was first published on September 2018 to the USPTO, although not on its database. The browser collects pre-specified information from web browsing sessions, according to the patent. The information is then transferred to a network of peer-to-peer nodes for collection and storage. Information collected depends on the type of browsing experience chosen. Browsing on a work computer versus browsing on a personal computer would demand different settings, for example. Types of potentially storable session information include what websites one visits, bookmarks, task performance, geolocation, plug-in installation, and security patches. As the company states, a blockchain-based browser, quote, affords a system for storing browsing information such that privacy is preserved and places privacy in the hands of the user rather than a third party. One potential use case the document includes, among others, is an attack on a computer's browser. If secured by blockchain technology, a viable backup of all user information is available. Interestingly, IBM included a token in their model. IBM says tokens will verify users' browser session activities as they are packaged into blocks for the peer-to-peer network. IBM's blockchain web browser concept is not the only one in the field, however. Norwegian Lab browser uh, Opera Company recently launched their iOS Opera Touch browser in June. Built for Web 3.0, Opera Touch has a built-in cryptocurrency wallet and connects seamlessly to Web 3.0 applications, including erc20 tokens so shit coinery is everywhere and even though ibm has some made some really cool announcements you know earlier in this year uh that were good for bitcoin don't put it past them to get into you know to to continue looking at shit coinery because i don't know reasons anyway well that's that's it for the morning roundup yo vital statistics and you know wait for it because we've you know we're we're pretty hefty price drop since uh since my monday show we've got bitcoin at an average of 10527 dollars yeah that was a pretty pretty nasty drop and we've got a high over at uh p2p b2b whatever the hell that is at 10529 and it looks like the low is going to be over at simex at 10,457.94 dollars. Uh let's see here. 350,000 transactions occurred over the last 2 hours, uh, 24 hours giving us an average per hour of 14,700 transactions. 1 million and change BTC have been traded over that or sent over the last 24 hours, with an average being sent per hour of 45,000 BTC. The average transaction value is 3 BTC, and the median transaction value is 0.024 BTC, or right around 249 bucks US. Block time seems okay at 10 minutes and 4 seconds. It looks like about half a Bitcoin is being taken in fees per block and 68 BTC have been taken in fees over the last 24 hours. We have had a two and a half percent increase in the hash rate, sending us to just under 73 exahashes per second. The last GitHub commit was sometime this morning. Ethereum is at 205. Bcash is at 335. Litecoin is at 82. BSV is at 148. Ethereum Classic is at 5 and 84 cents. And Dogecoin is at 0.0028. Is it possible? Is it possible? Yeah, Dogecoin uh transactions are crushing Litecoin. Uh Dogecoin has 37,666 and Litecoin has just a hair over twenty four thousand. So Dogecoin smacking Litecoin around. And yeah, and there's some there's some Litecoin stuff news and, and stuff going on uh in the ecosystem. It looks like some uh chats between Charlie Lee and the the head of the Litecoin Foundation got leaked. And I read them and I, I gotta tell you, man, kind of I don't know, in my opinion, it's just my opinion kind of doesn't look good for the, you know, Charlie Lee, the Litecoin Foundation and Litecoin itself, because essentially what it's illustrating is that there's just no development going on on Litecoin. And now Charlie was pushing back against that because people were suggesting it. But when the chat actually hit, um, it became a little bit more evident that that might actually in fact be the case. Of course, you know, I didn't go verify the uh, the chat logs, but you know, I mean, if if it is true, that's where I'm coming from. Here is if it is true, it looks like that there's really no development happening, and that there's really not a whole lot of developers that are interested in working on it. it, it you know, and frankly, kind of why would you be? And it's nothing against Charlie Lee, right? You know, here or or Litecoin in general, it's, it's a shit coin. and Charlie Lee did make some a pretty nefarious move by selling the exact top of all his litecoin um but i mean development it looks like it looks to me like there's a lot more developer interest in working on bitcoin that's what it looks like that just that's just the flavor that i'm getting out of my twitter feed and and uh news stories and you know other things i mean either you know there's word on the street that you know bcash has some serious development problems like the like a dearth of of any you know good developers working around, you've got, uh, I don't know what's going on with BSV development wise, but even in the Ethereum field, there seems to be kind of a, you know, in Ethereum, there's like a lot less of a lack, but there seems to be a lot more interest in working on Bitcoin. And clearly, why wouldn't you? Let's see, look at the mempool here. Uh, What do we got going on? I actually did see a couple of sub one megabyte blocks earlier in the morning, about six o'clock this morning, but now they're all full. We've got, we're six blocks waiting uh, to be minted and it looks like about 7,600 unconfirmed transactions and all of the blocks that are upcoming are also over one megabyte and that's going to do it for your vital statistics. Okay, with the weirdness around the world this week, there is no way in hell that I'm going to let go this week without doing nothing but punk rock. Now, even though some of the members of this particular band said that they weren't punk rock, they are actually listed on several lists of punk rock as the top punk rock band. I think that's wonderful. Here's the Ramones. <laughs> Ramones is one of my favorite bands. I Just, I don't know, man. There's just something about listening to those guys. It just kind of makes you know puts puts a huge smile on my face. All right, so it is time for the daily trainwrecked, and uh, today I got, I got a good one for you, man. In fact, it's so good that I actually have to read this particular tweet storm from a private browser because I can't get it on my regular browser. I don't seem to be blocked by the particular company involved, but somehow or another, I'm just not able to, to access the, the, the full tweet storm. So, um, your, your daily train wreck is, is going to be brought to you by Brecky van Bitcoin at crypto Brecky, brekkie, B R E K K I E. Uh, he's, if you're not following him, come on, dude, gotta, you gotta do it. So he, Brekke's just—he's just making a tweet. That's all he's doing. He just tweets out. Bitcoin has changed me, and definitely for the better. Whether it's my politics, my time preference, or taking responsibility for my actions as an aspiring sovereign individual, I've changed a lot. Changed a lot. And so has my laptop. Has Bitcoin changed you and your laptop? Post pics. He's got a little, you know, funny emoji with one eye open, one eye closed, and a tongue hanging out. The picture of it is the top of his laptop, which has a whole shit ton of stickers over it. Now, Blockstream sticker, Blockfolio, Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Rick and Morty, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so here's where it starts to get a little cringe, man. Um, Bitcoin people at underscore Bitcoin people writes him back or responds directly to his tweet saying, love it. How about adding one of these stickers, and then they give a you know hashtag and their link to where you can go buy stuff at Bitcoin People Online, and it shows a picture of a laptop with a Bitcoin People sticker, and then there's another tweet that says stickers. Hey, let's, more being added daily, and then it's like a Tron sticker, and at that point, Brecky writes back and says selling Tron, LTC. DGB, etc. stickers kind of invalidates your Bitcoin support, in my opinion. Um, They write back and say, Although our name Bitcoin people suggest we only support Bitcoin, we are in fact lovers and huge supporters of all cryptocurrencies, to which Brecky writes back, well, that doesn't really jive with my beliefs. You should give this article a read. And he, re- he links them to an, uh, an article about why Bitcoin can't be copied. We've seen it is from Unchained Capital. So then they write back again, don't get us wrong. Bitcoin will always be king, especially in our eyes, but not everyone agrees. So that's, we have also produced a range of merchandise with other alternatives. Our store is another avenue to our already successful Bitcoin business directory. (sighs) And here's the rub, man. He says, Brecky writes back, do as you like, but I don't support that. Please refrain from posting your links in my post from now on. (laughs) Banishment. They got banished from... (laughs) From Brecky's stuff, man. Uh, not that that would stop them. I mean, if they continue to to do stuff like that, he, he could block him. But you know, you know how this works. Anyway, it was just it's like walking into a hornet's nest, man. I mean, here you know, there's this guy just you know, initially tweeting out, and then the company jumps in. And in my opinion, I think it might have been clout chasing. I don't know because Brecky Brecky's been around for a long time. He's got a really large following. Um, and he just put him down like an animal. It was it was like a world wrestling match or something like that, where he's putting him in a chokehold. And then I I think I'd say something about I'm waiting for him to finish him off with the pile driver. But I mean, uh, be careful with where you shit coin people because you could get drop kicked just like Bitcoin people did. Anyway, that's your smoldering pile. Hey, Terrible Joke Corner. Here we go. Get ready for it. It's bad. Do you remember that joke I told you about my spine? It was about a week back. You see how that works, people? You see how that works? It's like these things, just like puns and cadence. Puns, cadence, different spellings of words that sound the same. That, that, yeah, I think that's called alliteration. Not sure. That's how you make a bad joke is is like, just leverage that crap and you can come up with a, just a cringe joke all on your own. Okay. So, uh, I am out. It is Wednesday. So we're in the middle of what's probably going to be a weird ass week and it's already been weird it got weirder this morning with the announcement of the uh bond flipping thing between the 2 and the 10 um doesn't seem like anything's you know calming down in uh Hong Kong you got you know Argentina's still flailing around from trying to figure out their you know peso devaluation it's you know i hate to say it but it's kind of bad everywhere So what can you do? I don't know. Write bad jokes and send them to me. That would help that. That actually would help. Uh, the other thing, listen to music and it's it's not about putting your head in the sand. It's about trying to get into a better place and don't let all the bad news just walk all up and down your ass because that's just not going to do anybody any good at any time. Um, we have to see what happens, the events of the day and on into, you know, on into Friday and over the weekend. Um, if it doesn't abate and we end up in a recession, I guess it's one of those things where you just got to ask, you know, what you can do. So we survived the last one. So, you know, just saying it's not all, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be all bad. It's just, it just doesn't look good right now. So just gird your loins, ladies and gentlemen, for the shit that's coming up. Other than that, man, I'm going to see you on the other side of all the weirdness. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.